Um, so last week we began a sermon series, a three-week sermon series called uh, The Habits of Grace, uh, Enjoying Jesus Through the Spiritual Disciplines, and we'll be continuing that today and then next week as well. And if you are with us last week, we saw that uh, spiritual disciplines are things like Bible reading and prayer, uh, habits, disciplines that help us grow in intimacy with Jesus and grow in godliness. And they're called disciplines because, as most of us have probably realized, uh, relationships take work, don't they? Anyone who's been in a relationship for any amount of time will know that. Uh, It doesn't happen magically. To grow in relationship with someone, anyone, it takes intentionality, it takes effort, it takes spending time together. All those things are true, aren't they? And it's, it's just as true with our relationship with Jesus. Uh, but even more than that, the Bible puts it quite strongly when it talks about um, the effort you might think about as we grow in our relationship with Jesus. So last week we saw 1 Timothy 4, verses 7 to 8, which says, Train yourself in godliness, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. Train yourself, that's quite striking language, isn't it? Or as one Bible translation has it, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Literally, it's saying get in the gym and work at growing in your relationship with Jesus. But although it it does take uh, discipline and intentionality, we also saw last week that this is is not about legalism, as if God is somehow happier with us if we uh, read our Bible in the morning. Uh, No, God's love for us is grounded in what Jesus has done for us. It's purely based on what Jesus has done and not what we do. And so spiritual disciplines are not a duty God expects from us, but a gift He wants to give us. It's God hosting a banquet and inviting us to the table, welcoming us to feed on His riches, to be nourished by His Word and strengthened. And because of that, spiritual disciplines are also called habits of grace. Habits, uh, life practices, rhythms that God uses to pour out His lavish grace upon us. So this is some of the stuff we started to look at last week, and it sounds really good in theory, but if you're anything like me, in practice, it can be a lot harder than that. Although in theory, we can see and we can acknowledge that actually uh, things like reading the Bible and prayer, these aren't a duty that God expects from us, but they're a rich thing that uh, give us life and, and feed us. You might be there sitting there thinking, well, often it doesn't feel like that. Often reading the Bible and prayer it can feel a bit dry and, and unengaging. And so what does it look like practically to engage in the habits of grace in a way that's life-giving? Well, that's what we're going to look at practically today. Today, we're focused on Bible reading, and next Sunday, looking especially at prayer. And the reason we've picked these two is because uh, these two are foundational practices in our relationship with God. Uh, There are many other habits that we could look at. You could look at fasting, Sabbath, serving. I mean, some books on spiritual disciplines list 12, 15, 21 different spiritual disciplines. There are lots that you could look at. But really, these two are the key and foundational. If all you have is this, you can have a rich relationship with God. Hearing from Him as He speaks to us, and how does God speak to us? Through His Word that He's given us to know Him confidently, and us speaking back to Him in prayer. So today we're going to look at how we can practically engage in habits of grace, looking at the Word. Okay, so... 
if, if you're anything like me and sometimes you feel like Bible reading can be a bit dry and hard to engage with, we can, we can wonder what can we actually do practically to make it be something that is far more rich. Well, this brings us to what might be the most neglected and misunderstood spiritual discipline in the 21st century, and that is meditation. Meditation. Now, as soon as you hear that word, you might be picturing people sitting cross-legged uh, with their eyes closed, serene mountain temples and, and Buddhist monks. Uh, we tend to think of Eastern meditation, which involves trying to empty your mind. But biblical meditation is the opposite. Not emptying your mind, but filling it with God's truth. Uh, we can see this all throughout the Bible, but one of the places we see it, a, a beautiful place really, is Psalm 119. Now, Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible, and it's devoted to treasuring God's Word. And this one psalm mentions meditation eight times. And have a look with me, for example, at verses 15 to 16. It says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Now, uh, notice in particular the parallel in verse 15 uh, between meditating and considering. Do you see how those two are parallel? And in the Psalms, uh, Hebrew poetry often does this. It'll use a parallel to describe the same thing in a slightly different way that helps flesh it out. So, for example, you can see precepts, ways, decrees, word. They're all just different ways of describing the same thing, aren't they? It's God's word to us. And in the same way, I meditate on your precepts, I consider your ways. It's talking about the same thing. And what this shows us is that to meditate on something is to thoughtfully consider it, to mull it over, to think about it. So unlike Eastern meditation, which involves emptying our mind, meditation in the Bible is about filling it, filling it with God's truth and engaging it. Meditation means you can think of instead of uh, instead of like a piece of food that you just throw in your mouth, chew it, and then it's down, think of it like a jawbreaker. I don't know if you, any of you guys uh, eat these things, but it's the kind of thing that you, you put in your mouth and then you, it takes ages. You just slowly mull it around, uh, sucking the juices out of it. Uh, think of God's Word and meditation like that. Not reading a verse and going, okay, that's good, but, but mulling it around, uh, thinking about it, tasting it. Probing it with questions. That's what, we, uh, that's what we should think of when we see when the Bible talks about meditation. Now, the guy who wrote Psalm 119, he was big into meditating on God's Word. And as you read the psalm, it's a very long psalm. I think it's like 170 verses or so. Uh, but throughout that psalm, you see there's a strong connection between meditating on God's Word on the one hand and delighting in it. In fact, I, I went through all the of the word meditate in this psalm, and almost everyone is connected to delight in God's word. I mean, you can see that there, can't you? Verse 15, I meditate. Verse 16, I delight. Or check out verses 23 to 24. It says, the rulers sit together and slander me. Your servant will meditate on your decrees. Your statutes are my delight. They're my counselors. You can see that connection, can't you? Or verse 48, I lift up your hand, uh, my hands to your commands, which I love, and I meditate on your decrees. Isn't that fascinating? You normally think of if you have commands from something, so say your parents or, 
or God commands you something, you think, oh, okay, I guess I'll do it. But that's not where the loving aspect of our relationship is. But he says, no, actually, God, I love it when you tell me what to do. I delight in that. Or or check out verses 97 to 99. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have, uh, your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for, ever, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. And he goes on just a few verses later in verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I don't think they had jawbreakers back then, but I think that's what he was trying to get at. And he can barely contain his love for God's word, can he? It's precious to him. God's word is not just a duty for him, but a delight. And and just to be clear, when he talks about delighting in God's words and his law, he's not talking about the New Testament and the parables of Jesus, because he didn't have them yet, did he? Well, what's he talking about? He's talking about Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. He's talking about God's laws and statutes and decrees, not the stuff that's known in Christian circles for being the most thrilling reading, right? I mean, Leviticus is where most well-intentioned Bible reading plans go to die in about February each year. But this guy, he, he looks at these laws, the things that God is commanding me, and he says, I love them. It seems crazy, right? I mean, what is he seeing that I'm not? Because I don't see God's laws as a delight. Can I say that I love them? Why is it that for us, reading the Bible, never mind places like Leviticus, even places like the Psalms and the Gospels that are so full and rich of Gospel truth, why is it that even those places can feel dry and boring? But for him, even Leviticus can be so rich and delightful. Well, here's just a thought. Could it have something to do with the fact that he's not learned that he has learned not just to read, but to meditate on God's word? I mean, we saw a strong connection in Psalm 119 between meditating on God's word and loving and delighting it, right? Could it be that that's what we're missing? Keep in mind, meditating on God's Word is not some special or difficult skill for the spiritual elite. Not at all. Remember, meditation simply means to consider and think about and absorb God's Word, to mull it over. But so what if part of the reason we sometimes find the Bible uh, difficult, and maybe we feel like we don't get much out of our quiet times, is that we haven't yet learned to meditate on God's Word. Thomas Watson, a 17th century English pastor, once wrote, The reason we come away so cold from reading the the Word is because we do not warm ourselves at the fire of meditation. I think he could be onto something. Perhaps sometimes we come away cold from reading the Word because we don't warm ourselves at the fire of meditation. I mean, I don't know about you, but this has happened to me countless times. I sit down in the morning, maybe read a chapter of the Bible, maybe say a quick prayer, and then off to the busyness of the day. But not even an hour later, if you ask me something about what I read that morning, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I honestly couldn't remember. 
I mean, if you're anything like me, this happens to us all the time. And it's not because our memory is bad. Our memory is fine. We remember all kinds of things. It's because we never really absorbed what we read in the first place. We never uh, internalized it, never pressed it into our hearts. We never asked questions about what it was saying and thought about the implications and, and wrestled with it and really let it shape us. Reading the Bible the way we often do is, is like a short rainfall on hard ground. Picture like a drought. If the ground is dry and hard, it doesn't matter how much rain there is because most of the water just runs right off the surface, doesn't it? Nothing's actually going to sink in. And it's the same when we skim over the Bible. If it, it doesn't matter how many chapters you cover if nothing's actually getting absorbed. But meditation is where we till the soil. We break up the ground so that the water of God's Word doesn't just run off but sinks in deeply. Another way to say this is uh, reading is simply the exposure of our minds and hearts to Scripture. But meditation is the absorption of it. Reading is simply the exposure of our minds and hearts to Scripture, but meditation is the absorption of it. And it's the absorption, isn't it, that leads to real heart change, that leads to growing in intimacy with Jesus. Now remember, spiritual disciplines, this isn't a a, a special duty that God's expecting us to do because you better be good. No, he's, He's offering this gift to us in His Word. He's saying he's inviting us to grow in intimacy with Jesus through his word. And meditation is one of the ways that we receive that gift from his hand. That we, uh, we, it's one of the ways that we step into the path that he has promised to pour out his grace upon us. There's this great quote we saw last week from Tim Keller, always has good quotes, doesn't he? Uh, who says, to learn and digest the word of God requires a fight. We must fight our busy schedules, our distracted minds, our stubborn hearts, and the world's opinion and disdain. But notice that word, digest. It takes a fight to digest the Word of God. Because I'll let you in on a little secret. It's not hard to read the Bible. It's really easy. You just open it up and read. And in fact, even if you can't read, it gets even easier. Nowadays, you can just throw in your headphones Download an audio Bible for free or just stream it, and it'll read for you. I mean, how easy is that? And get this, if you have a half-hour commute to work each day, and you just, during that commute, you just throw on an audio Bible and listen to it while you commute, you'll average 17 chapters a day just on your commute. takes zero effort. And if you do that every day of the week you'll get through the whole Bible cover to cover in less than 11 weeks. How crazy is that? You could go through the Bible more than four times in a year. All you have to do is press the button on the start of your commute. Reading the Bible is easy, but to digest it, that's not so easy. That's not going to happen mindlessly in the background on my commute, is it? To really take it to heart, to absorb it, to ask questions about it and apply ourselves to it and be shaped by it. That is what takes a fight. As John Piper puts it, raking is easy, but all you get is leaves. Digging is hard, but you might find diamonds.
And that's true, isn't it? I mean, raking over the words of the Bible is easy, but it's in the digging and digesting of God's Word, our meditation on it, that we find real treasure, that we open ourselves up to heart transformation, that we really grow in intimacy with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So if you take anything away from today, let it simply be this. When it, when it comes to reading the Bible, go for depth. Meditate. Absorb. Warm your heart at the fire of meditation. But uh, let's, let's get even more practical. I mean, what does this actually mean for our practice of spiritual disciplines? Say I, I wake up in the morning, I say, yep, I'm going to do this. I'm going to open the Bible. What does it actually look like? Well, at the outset... It changes our whole frame of mind, doesn't it, when it comes to quiet times or Bible reading. Instead of sitting, sitting down with the goal of getting through X number of chapters, or maybe use one of those devotional booklets that be, can be quite helpful. It's got maybe like a verse and then a little reflection from someone. Instead of thinking, okay, I'm going to sit down and get through it, it changed my mindset to think, no, how can I sit in and absorb and mull this over? How can I suck the marrow out of it? And so in light of that, here's, here's four practical ideas for your quiet times. First, eliminate distraction. You know, if you set aside a bit of time to read the Bible, try to find a, way, a quiet spot and keep distractions like your phone far away if possible. Now, technology is amazing. It's a, it's a great gift from God. And it's a source of so many good things that God gives us for our growth in intimacy with Him, like sermon podcasts and Bible apps. Really good. But let me just recommend that in terms of finding quiet, undistracted time to meet with God in His Word, sometimes a Bible app on your phone can be a less helpful thing because we've got so many distractions right at our fingertips, don't we? I mean, I would really recommend, if, you've, if you own a physical Bible, use that, keep your phone in the other room and set aside this time to meet with God in His Word. That's just one recommendation. Because it, it takes intentionality, doesn't it? to to get away from technology, even for 10 minutes, just to focus on God's Word. So that's the first tip, eliminate distraction. Uh, The second uh, is pray. Now, this seems like an obvious one, but we need to be reminded again and again that reading the Bible or some devotional book is, is not some academic exercise. It's a relational encounter. This is how we cultivate and receive from God in relationship with Him. So before you open the Bible, ask God to speak to you through his word. Ask him to soften your heart and open your eyes. There's this beautiful verse in in Psalm 119, actually. It's not up there, but Psalm 119, verse 18, um, that I'll often think of and use as a prayer before I open up God's word. Psalm 119, verse 18, simply says, Open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your law. It's so simple, isn't it? But how beautiful is that prayer? And, And even there, is that part of why the, the psalmist was able to see such wonderful things in Leviticus that we struggle to? Is because he saw it as a relational encounter with the living God who is revealing himself. And so he said, God, show me yourself. Show me your character behind these commands. Show me what you're like. Show me what pleases you. So that's the second recommendation is pray. See it as the relational encounter that it is. So eliminate distraction, pray. Thirdly, when you do open your Bible, actively set, a t- set aside time for meditation. Now, let's be realistic. 
Uh, we don't all have an hour every morning to read the Bible. Maybe all you can manage to carve out is 10 or 15 minutes. That's totally cool. That's, that's enough time to really engage with God and His Word. But it's worth thinking about how you use that time. With 15 minutes, you could read about four chapters, give or take. Now, that'd be a great way to use 15 minutes at the start of your day, absolutely. But if you do that, you've used up all your time with reading, exposure to Scripture, with none left for meditation, the absorption of it. And so instead, maybe aim to read just one chapter and then spend the rest of your time writing down questions if you've got a journal or or write down or think about things that stand out to you. Think about implications. What does this reveal to me about God's character? What does this reveal to me about my human nature? What is, how does this point me to the gospel? How do I see Jesus in this passage? We start to ask those questions and, and leave time for them. So remember this, it's, it's better to read a few verses and spend 10 minutes meditating on them rather than reading 10 whole chapters and not soak anything in. So that's the third point. Uh, be proactive and intentional about carving out time for meditation. And fourth, just to say something about Bible reading plans, because we're about to hit that time of year when many people start them, which is a great thing. Uh, Look, Bible reading plans can be really helpful, but if you are going to use one, uh, just a a warning, because inevitably, at some point, we go well for the first three weeks or three days, depending on your disposition, Um, but inevitably at some point, life happens and everyone falls behind at some point, right? It's happened to all of us, I'm sure. Uh, So what do we do when that happens? Well, one of two things usually. Either we give up discouraged because we see in the app this huge list of, of you know, readings to catch up. That's never going to happen. So I'm just going to give up the whole thing. Or we decide, no, I'm going to be conscientious. I'm going to catch up. Bad idea. <laughs> because when what do we do? We speed read through heaps of chapters to get back on schedule. And we think, yes, I'm back on. But as soon as we're doing that, We're just rushing through to tick the boxes and we're not actually absorbing anything, are we? Remember, the goal is not to get through it, but to sit in it. And so, one piece of advice, if you are going to use a Bible reading plan and fall behind, whatever you do, don't try catch up. That sounds counterintuitive, but if the goal is to absorb God's Word, don't try catch up. Just make like a Disney movie and let it go. Leave those boxes unticked or in good conscience, just tick them so that you can focus on God's word that he has for you today and engage with the word that he wants to speak to you. You don't need to catch up. It's a freeing thing. Remember that the gospel is the ground and the source of spiritual disciplines. There's no shame in falling behind on a Bible reading plan. Let's just use the opportunity to grow. Now, those are a few practical suggestions to help you establish a habit of meditating on God's Word. Uh, But if you're anything like me, then even if something sounds good, I find it hard to actually go and then put it into practice during the week. Um, So to help make that easier, we've produced this short uh, devotional booklet uh, to help you if you're keen to put some of these things into practice. Uh, There are a few physical copies, um, but we've also made it, uh, we're going to make it uh, later today and and tomorrow. available online so you can get a soft copy. Um, But if you do access access it digitally, just a reminder that you may still want to print it off so that you uh, don't have your phone with you. Um, But hopefully it's a help. So there are 16 short devotionals 
focusing on one psalm each, really short readings between 6 and 18 verses, with a few uh, questions to help you reflect and meditate on the passage. And the goal and what this booklet is really trying to do is to help you get into the psalms for yourself. For you to devour them, read them aloud a few times, underline keywords or phrases, write down questions, wrestle with them, intersperse all of this with prayer, asking God to give you insight and open up your heart. You know, if you see something of God's character in the psalm, praise him for it. If you see something good that he's done, thank him. If you see something of your own sinful heart, confess it. All these simple things are what the Bible calls meditating. And it's one of the great ways that we can grow in intimacy with Jesus through the word that he's given us in the Bible. It's the way we get to know him. And so as we close, it's just worth asking the question. As we get to the end of this year, as we wind up 2019, it's worth asking the question, as you look at next year, how might you put in place habits and practices that are life-giving and that help you to feed on the riches of God's Word, to not only read, but to meditate on it? So often when we read the Bible superficially, it can seem dry and unengaging. But what if 2020 could be the year that we discover afresh, or perhaps for the first time, how to truly delight in God's Word? To discover God's Word as a means of grace, an instrument by which He blesses us and draws us towards Himself. How to truly enjoy Jesus through the spiritual disciplines. Uh, As we saw last week, spiritual disciplines aren't a duty that God expects from us, but rather a gift that he gives to us. Uh, But yes, training in godliness, it it takes work and discipline. But when we try this, when we seek to grow in intimacy with Jesus, we find that even our effort in this area is really a gift from God's word. And that these habits of life are channels through which God is all too willing to pour his lavish grace upon us.